0: Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. We've been sharing conversations about creativity on this podcast since 2011. In February 2023, we traveled to the United Arab Emirates for the first time. We're here to witness and celebrate Sharjah Biennial 15, thinking historically in the present. Four years in the making, the exhibition is ambitious and expansive. More than 100 artists from 70 countries are presenting projects in 19 venues across the Emirate. One afternoon, we wander through Sharjah's heritage area to Beit Obaid al-Shamsi, the personal residence of a local pearl merchant and his family until the 1970s. Today, the complex of 16 buildings that dates to the mid-19th century is one of the biennial venues. In a small courtyard outside his multi-chambered installation, we meet artist Shiraz Baijuq to talk about how his project engages history, a pervasive theme in this biennial. The artist shares the storied past of the Indian Ocean and the island archipelagos of Mauritius and Madagascar off the southeast coast of Africa. Keep listening to hear the Orientalist tropes that he disrupts in Searching for Libertalia a project that recovers the history of a purported pirate colony founded in the late 17th century.
1: When I was beginning a lot of this research a decade and a half ago, I came across this book called A General History of Piracy, written supposedly by Daniel Defoe. And in there, he describes the exploits of different pirates. It's a book of short stories based upon stories he picked up from sailors and things. It's not written under his name. It's under a pseudonym of Captain Charles Johnson. Academics and scholars are pretty sure it's Daniel Defoe because it was his style of writing. And he would have written it under a pseudonym because he was a very anti-establishment, anti-crown sentiments in the book. So it was definitely treasonous at the time. And he wrote several books of this nature where he was very concerned with the situations of poverty of class in terms of seafaring at that time was an exploit that often people were forced into a pretty brutal um, occupation in many ways. So it was not surprising that he may look towards this space and this kind of labor as one of his focuses upon the conditions of the brutality of the 17th century. And so he describes this story of this Captain Misson, who is a French aristocrat, and he inherits nothing and becomes a sailor, and he travels to Rome because he wants to see the height of the civilized world as he Describes in, you know, the Vatican, the church. And what he sees there is a debauched situation. He meets a fallen Roman monk.
0: It turns out this is a Robin Hood story. The erstwhile aristocrat and the fallen monk join forces to recover what they've lost, stealing gold and freeing slaves as they go.
1: So they steal a ship from Naples and they travel up the Mozambique channel between Madagascar and East Africa. And they start pirating, raiding French crown ships, stealing the gold and liberating the slaves. And after 10 years of doing this, they have an armada of people. They have this new nation made up of all different nationalities. And they decide to create a settlement in northern Madagascar.
0: Why Madagascar? Why this story?
1: Because Madagascar in the European imagination at this time is an unconquerable space. It has a dense, complex society of different nations, different kingdoms, and it seems something that the Europeans can't quite reach to.
0: Baiju explains that the story could not be told in his home country.
1: I had been making a lot of work that was exploring, you know, the landscape of the colony, of the island colony coming from Mauritius. I realized that I needed to understand what were the conditions of the movements towards independence. It was obviously the, the conditions of African post-colony spaces. And I couldn't make that work in Mauritius because Mauritius is a place of displacement. Mauritius did not have an indigenous population before European arrival. Because of the way that ocean currents worked, you could get to the island. It was quite difficult to get off the island. You might have to wait another year for the monsoons and the trade and the oceanic currents to shift. And it wasn't until It's changing in sailing technology, where basically you can sail into the wind and keep moving regardless of what direction the wind blows. And that is actually when Europeans start to expand their empires and arrive in in multiple spaces around the world. I couldn't make that work in Mauritius because I needed to be in a place that had a sense of origin, a sense of indigeneity, because it needed to show the churnings, the relapses that take place in that very complex and very brutal movement towards freedom.
0: We talk about the hyphenated identities and emotions embedded in the idea of Creolization.
1: You can think of Creole identities stretching all the way from Fiji all the way to Louisiana, you know, through the Caribbean. If we understand that many of the The geographic separations or zones of the world are still very much built upon colonial Categorizations, And we know they're highly problematic because they draw lines through communities, through tribes, through collectives of people where they shouldn't be. People have been separated by these lines. Whereas perhaps a way of pushing against that and trying to express the folly of that is to understand the Creole world. People who have very similar identities created because of the same pressures, right? The pressures of slavery, the pressures of displacement, of the plantation. The extraction of land. Often, traditionally, it has been associated with a francophone world, the French Empire, but I don't think it has to exclusively be that anymore. I think we have shifted against that. So, creolization is the shifting of identities under these pressures and perhaps we can understand them as fracturing of identities at the beginning, but then also then how we've survived through those landscapes. And that is when we become Creole, because our music and our language, which is formed under those pressures, also then become the expressions and our identities of which we celebrate ourselves today.
0: Do you consider yourself to be Creole?
1: All people on Mauritius should consider themselves Creole, because actually we are all very intermixed in that sense, but it's not necessarily thought of that way. And actually homogenization is a massive problem throughout many post-colonial spaces in hindering the ability for new nations to take on their collective identities. Unfortunately, a lot of that is manipulated politically today. Many nations have these issues. But Creole is really about the collective that we have become because of our collective experiences We have become this idea now. you're speaking of
0: realisation as an empowering process. At the beginning
1: it's a violent one, but actually it's how we survive through it. Many people felt that they came from enslaved backgrounds, that there was a huge amount of shame, and there still is so much shame associated with that. But now today... Thankfully, with the courage of so many of our wonderful young people, there is actually starting to shift and say, well, actually, that great grandmother survived this. This is a strength. I should be proud that we have this strength within us. It's not about being mixed identities that we are lost in some form. It's actually we have come together through difficulties and actually become much stronger out of this. Certainly, this is how we need to try and move ourselves forward.
0: Let's talk about what visitors to your space will experience.
1: Searching for Livitalia is a kind of pseudo-archive. You will find sculptural vitrines. You will find a three-channel video work that are placed within these sort of cabinets. You find the recreation of historical paintings in these sort of kind of settings. I was
0: thinking the three-channel videos are like altarpieces.
1: They are indeed. When I was visiting churches in Lisbon, I was thinking, through that format and within the vitrines there are photographs from multiple museum archives that situated around Madagascar but also expands out around different spaces around the Indian Ocean We're looking at different layers of what has taken place in terms of the methodologies of colonization from the missionary presences the extraction of land the forced labor within agriculture or in mining but also things like the signing over of nations you know the capitulation when empire finally manages to have its grasp on a space. You also find objects like ceramic works that I've recreated that reference drawings and things from sailors that worked within the East India Company. There was
0: one small one that had a bird.
1: (laughs) Yes, so in Mauritius we were very famous for the dodo but there were also numerous other land walking birds and all of which died out pretty soon after Dutch arrivals and they were sketched by these arrivals. So I use symbols like the English East India Company symbol and we use symbols like these birds placed within these little ceramic medallions and they're deliberately worn as if they'd come out of the hull of a ship. So it's almost like that recreation of what could be an artifact. And then you find little portraits of priests who are famous for understanding the conditions of the slaves and you also find portraits of colonial generals.
0: I've- found one that I took a photo of. A man with a turban yes. and he's holding, it looks like a wand and yes. an egg.
1: Yes, he's a magician.
0: That's what I a traveling
1: magician, a magician in the 19th century who's traveling through the Indian Ocean and selling his wares, selling his services as an entertainer. Something that gives you a snapshot, a texture of this world, of the types of movements of people and the ways of which this world perhaps was, out not just within a European imagination of it, but shifting it towards something perhaps that is closer to how it might have been.
0: I love this, but I'm curious how will people visiting get the stories? They're civic imaginaries.
1: There are multiple stories, and this is the whole point yes. of this, is that you piece together different parts of it. There are multiple tellings of this narrative. There isn't just one experience of a history, right? There are multiple That's experiences. True. And so this is the whole point of it, is that you can hear the audio through from one room, you can see little pieces of these, and you start to fold it together and try to create your own understanding of it. Nous n'oublierons jamais que la France a été l'inspiratrice de cette communauté et nous a guidés vers l'indépendance. Ultimately, I think we all arrive within a similar space of understanding, but perhaps they mean slightly different things to us in the way that our experiences do.
0: There are layers of color and other embellishments on some of the images, especially in this final room, the larger ones. Even the magician had an aura that you added to his beautiful portrait.
1: Yeah, that's right. I trained as a painter, so painting for me is about trying to shift the emotional landscape, especially when I place photographs into paintings or into prints. I try and reshift what that ethnographic gaze may have been and try and place it into a slightly different landscape where we can emote towards what we're seeing. There are oranges and deep reds and greens. And within the larger paintings, there is one that is overwhelmingly blue. The one that is blue speaks about the ocean and the water and those movements of people. One that is overwhelmingly green. And obviously then we have to reference the land. And often thinking about how the land is a witness to what we do, to our activities. Perhaps in a sense, nature can be positioned within this as a position of innocence. In one that is sort of purple and red, and which speaks about royalty, then dynasties.
0: I wonder, is thinking historically relevant to the way this artist moves forward in the world?
1: How have we arrived here? With the complexities of division, racial hierarchies, ultimately racism is tools that, t- that still persist. One has to understand what has taken place in order to create those lines, those layers within society, the structures of colonialism have not been removed. They endure and they do not necessarily endure always in the most visible ways, but they endure through the emotional, through the traumas through the psychological. So in that sense, it's important for us to tell these stories historically in the present.
0: I'm Kathy Bird. This is the Fresh Art International Podcast. Our conversation with Shiraz Baiju reveals one artist's approach to thinking historically in the present. Searching for libertalia materializes a cultural narrative that might come closer than real history to showing us the way through rupture, dislocation, and uncertainty to a new place of growth and renewal. If you like what you're hearing, please take a few minutes to rate and subscribe to our podcast, the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects, and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, and listeners like you, make Fresh Art International possible. When you visit our site, you'll find other episodes about art and culture from around the globe. While you're there, sign up for our news and give a donation to support these stories. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.